You're Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you happen to enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just really treasure and appreciate your support. On tonight's podcast, it is time to talk about Winnipeg versus Washington, which is, you know, one of Winnipeg's only games for like the past couple of weeks. It's been a bit slow around here, and I, I think a lot of us have been getting a little bit antsy. You know, say what you will about the Jets and uh, their performances on the ice. It is kind of uh, a bit tiresome to not get any sort of Jets hockey for, you know, several days at a time, so it is nice to have the monotony broken up here and there. And this time, the Jets got welcomed into D.C., which, you know, this is not typically a a very hospitable area for the Jets. As competitively as they have played in D.C. and against this team in general, whether at home or on the road over the past couple of years, it's not like the Jets have actually come all that close to beating Washington in most of these games. You know, that that extra play, that extra goal-scoring opportunity, for the most part, it always just seems to find its way on somebody like Ovechkin's stick, or maybe it's Kuznetsov. The Caps just have a lot of really annoyingly talented players, and, you know, as somebody who lives near D.C., I've watched them a lot over the years. Uh, Certainly the evolutions of the roster, some of the changes on the defense, you know, the forward updates and stuff, the new coaching staffs. So I have a pretty good handle on this Caps team, and this was the first time where I felt like the Jets might actually have a little bit of a chance. I was still thinking the Jets would probably be in trouble just because the Caps in D.C., it's it's a tough road, right? The Caps at home don't tend to lose very often, and even when they do, they're still very dangerous. You know, they get into a 3 nothing hole, and they immediately erase it on the power play or through sheer strength of will at even strength. With the lineup the Jets had, you know, we talked about it yesterday, but it, it wasn't exactly the typical Winnipeg roster. You know, we're not entirely at full strength yet with this team. Wheeler's still out, um, and of course, Zvechnikov is still sidelined, so is David Gustafson couple of guys still dealing with COVID or recovering from injury. So this roster, I was curious to know how it would handle. And in the opening period, much to my surprise, the Jets kind of came out looking pretty dangerous. Um, the, the Caps have been playing a lot more frequently over the past couple of weeks, so that may have something to do with it. But the thing with the Caps is like, you know, I don't think the Jets are the fastest team. And yet for a while, Winnipeg was running laps around this Caps roster. I don't know if it was just because the Jets were more well-rested, or if this is just what Washington against this Jets roster really does look like. I'm used to the Caps being very slow in OT, that's an area where they have traditionally struggled a ton, but, you know, even for a slower Jets roster that occasionally looks like the hare and the tortoise against a team like the Colorado Avalanche, and I'll, I'll let you determine which team is the hare and which one is the turtle, but... 
you know, the Jets were still looking very fast against this Caps team, and that's kind of a, a nice change of pace, pun intended. And, you know, not even just a few seconds into the game, that pressure and speed gave the Jets a nice little power play, and then Kyle Connor did what Kyle Connor does on the power play, and thanks to some great passing and zone movement, you know, the Jets immediately scored within, like, the first couple of minutes. After that, you know, a couple minutes later, the Jets get another two-on-one on a counter, this one with the Caps getting caught flat-footed, and Cole Perfetti scores his first professional NHL goal. I don't think you could really ask for much more than that, especially, you know, just a few minutes into your road game against the Caps. Um, after that, you know, you started getting some pushback from Washington. They are not a team that likes to be playing from behind, and yet they do it a lot this season. The goaltending for the Caps hasn't exactly been outstanding. I mentioned it earlier, but like, you know, the, the rotation of Fukali, Vanacek, Samsonov, some nights it actually works out. Other nights, I don't really feel like it's all that great. And, you know, them going up against Hellebuck probably made it a little bit of a mismatch there. You know, Hellebuck, even with his slight dip in form this season, is still one of the top goalies out there. And he often finds himself in an unbeatable groove against very good teams. And so I was curious to know if he was going to be the difference maker in this one. And at least for like the first part of the period, yeah, I mean, he was he was doing the necessary. It wasn't like Washington was actually generating much. I thought the Jets did a really good job of you know, basically defense through offense with a really aggressive offensive forecheck and maintaining possession, creating zone cycles, having that zone possession, and just sort of wearing the caps down slowly. These are things you love to see, especially against a team that is this good. Now, for the Jets, as the period started to wear on, you did notice a couple of cracks, and it really comes on the defensive side of things. Like I've said with Lowry before, I really feel like the biggest issue with this team really lies on the back end and its organization. You know, some of the players handle it well. DeMello and uh, Morrissey together has been pretty okay. I thought Sandberg has acquitted himself nicely, and so has Neil Pionk, but you get to the pairing of Stanley and Schmidt, and this is where some issues start. I, I think coming into this game, everyone kind of suspected it was going to be a little bit rough for these two. You know, Schmidt's not really much of a defender in his own right, and then you've got Logan Stanley, who just hasn't really been with it for the past couple of months. That pairing immediately struggled. And on this sequence where, you know, last couple of minutes of the period, the Caps had out the line with Ovechkin, the Jets found themselves in a bit of trouble. I think Schmidt was caught chasing the puck carrier along the wall or something, which left, you know, Stanley alone in the middle of the slot right in front of Hellebuck. But Stanley wasn't really keeping tabs on Ovechkin, which is kind of a huge mistake. He was watching and shading over towards, like, Garnet Hathaway. Hathaway sort of baited him in and then immediately hit Ovechkin with a great cross-slot pass. And just like that, it was 2-1. It was a little bit of a sour note to end the period. I mean, I mean it's, it's hard to really get that upset about it. You know, I thought the Jets had overall a very good opening 20 minutes. It was just once they had that goal against, they started getting scrambly again. And I wasn't entirely thrilled with how, at times, you could tell their composure was wavering. But... You know, for the first period, not bad. I was curious to know how the Jets would handle the intervening 20 minutes. Uh, you know, there's like 40 minutes of this game left. So in just a little bit, we'll check in on the second period. But before we do, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.ag and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs during this holiday season. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. 
Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, we are taking a look at Winnipeg versus Washington. And after an eventful first period that was seemingly in Winnipeg's favor, the tail end of the first kind of suggested that Washington wasn't going to take this game lying down. You know, a 2-0 deficit for the Caps, not really all that difficult for them to overcome. This is a Caps team that over the years has played from behind quite frequently, but, you know, even then, they can only overcome so many deficits before eventually their luck runs out. But, you know, with this team and, and certainly with how the Jets were playing, I kind of felt like the Jets probably needed to score at least four goals to have at least a good chance of winning. And what instead transpired was Winnipeg starting off the second period looking pretty decently, generating some really good dangerous chances, but eventually Washington starting to take over. And thanks to some really poor shifts from the third pairing and from the bottom six, eventually the Caps took advantage of some chaos and actually banked a puck off of, I think it was Nate Schmidt's skate, and uh, that that puck then deflected off of Hellebuck's pads and in to tie the game at 2-2. Now, I hate to single out players, but aside from Schmidt, the guy who really stood out negatively was Logan Stanley. And, you know, and and you look at this pairing and, and how it performed tonight, it was pretty much a disaster almost every shift. Logan just isn't really equipped to defend at a high level. You know, he's probably more comfortable as like a seventh defender or maybe even a top four guy in the AHL. But at the NHL level, I just don't think you can really hack it. And when you have Nate Schmidt as your partner, you're supposed to be more of the safety valve for Nate so he can kind of do his offensive puck carrying attacking magic. But, you know, with this situation and how Logan was playing, that wasn't really possible. And in fact, it just served to highlight all of Schmidt's shortcomings as a defender. And what prompted this goal, which was the double deflection from Alexi Protas, was that Stanley pinched really high in the defensive zone and completely mistimed it. The skater basically just sort of blew by him. Protas then got the step on Schmidt, who was trying to scramble around and cover for the bad pinch. Um, Hellebuck got pulled out of his net pretty far, and you know Protas was able to sort of do like a wraparound attempt, but Instead of actually wrapping it around and and tucking it in, he just sort of threw it into the mess of skates and hoped something would happen, which something did happen. The Caps scored, and actually I just realized I was uh, reversing the order of the goals a little bit. This one was actually the third goal. Uh, It was the go-ahead goal. Um, The game-tying goal was a Dmitry Orlov uh, point shot that deflected, and I don't really think Hellebuck could do a lot about this one, Um, but... This third goal against, I I just really disliked it from a defensive standpoint and from, you know, just just overall the lack of organization and the poor shifts from the third pairing. 
The second and third periods really seem to show a shift in favor of the Caps, especially as the third period wore on. The Protoss goal was kind of a nice reward for all of their efforts. I mean, they really did deserve to be in the lead, and it was kind of frustrating to see the Jets start to fall behind. I know that the shot clock at the end of the second period at least looked even, but I tended to feel the Caps, especially from the second half of the uh, the game onwards, were really the ones who started to take command of the ice. I thought the Jets were loose defensively. I, I thought the organization just wasn't quite there. I wasn't really happy with some of the random line changes that would occur. Uh, occasionally, the defensive pairings also got changed. It's just one of the situations where I feel like Lowry can get the team to a certain point, but beyond that, it's just not really happening. And I felt like the bottom six was very clearly lacking good talent, which... The team can only do so much about that part, but, you know, in terms of the defensive pairings and how those were arranged, I would have gone with Vili Heinola in tonight's game. I just feel like even a rusty Heinola probably would have been a better choice over Logan Stanley. Despite falling behind 3-2 in the third period, the Jets eventually were able to tie it up with the dying minutes of the game, thanks to Pierre-Luc Dubois tucking one home right in front of the net on a pulled goalie situation. It was a little bit fortunate, but you could also say... When the Jets were chasing, they did actually have a couple of really good chances. You know, Cole Perfetti probably could have had a couple of goals tonight, um, and he he did create some really great dangerous chances. So maybe Vanacek had already robbed a few opportunities, and this one was just one that he couldn't quite cover. But by the same token, I don't know, I feel like the Jets got a little bit fortunate that Washington kind of pulled a Winnipeg and sort of threw away, at least at, at the start of it, the extra point. Now, once it got to overtime... That's what was really embarrassing from this game was, you know, Shifley and Connor went out there with Morrissey right off the faceoff. The Caps basically took control. Kuznetsov just sort of carved his way by Shifley, who then kind of watched him skate on. Uh, and, and Shifley is usually supposed to mark the other forward who's a little bit higher in the zone. Morrissey really couldn't contain uh, Kuznetsov, which I'm not really going to get upset about that. I think the only way that you could really stop Kuzi midstride was to take a penalty. So that part... It is what it is. But then, you know, Shifley was just sort of watching, and then Wilson comes up from behind. Shifley doesn't even really react until the very last second. By that time, Wilson's already on the doorstep and has now had a chance to uh, hit a rebound that he himself had generated off of Hellebuck's pads and into the net. And then Kyle Connor is just back there somewhere, you know, sort of gliding along. For me, this was just a really frustrating effort in overtime. It just felt like as soon as the Caps had the puck, the Jets just stopped skating. Um, and I, I was I was sort of baffled. I mean, what on earth is going on out there? I mean, I would expect at least a little bit of a defensive pushback, but the Jets didn't really give Washington any sort of trouble. They just sort of, for the most part, stared. I thought, you know, Morrissey was the only one who was really trying to uh, strip the puck and force the turnover. And even then, I thought his effort probably wasn't ideal for the situation. It's this kind of stuff that's been an issue with this team for a while now. It's not just this season, but I, I I don't know. You know, the days of Mark Shifley really being the leader of this team just feel like they've passed. And when you have efforts like that and guys are just sort of standing around not really activating or even like improvising defensive reads, I, I just wonder where the accountability is. There was an opportunity to win this game in overtime because the Caps haven't won uh, like seven of their last overtime outings. The Jets were the first one to give them an overtime win, and that's what it really felt like, Winnipeg giving Washington the extra point because the Jets just stopped skating. 
I have more thoughts about this game, and I'll talk about it in a little bit, you know, some takeaways that are, are both positive and negative, but I just feel like this overtime for me really left a sour taste in my mouth. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We are closing out tonight with some thoughts on Washington versus Winnipeg, which it was a game of highs and it was a game of lows. And the highs were awesome. I mean, Cole Perfetti was awesome. The second line was really clicking. Even the first line had some pretty okay opportunities. Uh, Dylan Sandberg, I thought, had a really sound game overall. You know, you really didn't notice a lot wrong with him. I thought he just was very competent. He was a great partner for Pionk. They made some nice zone clearances. They just did the job pretty efficiently. I also thought Hellebuck, for the most part, was pretty darn good. Um, His save percentage might look like it's gotten dinged a bit, but... It wasn't really much that he could control. You know, the Jets' defense is just very poor, and especially in chaotic situations, I feel like there's not a lot that he could do to avert most of the opportunities against him. So, yeah, you know, I I thought that there were some really great individual performances, but where I'm really frustrated with this game was how it kind of ended. You know, the Jets, after sort of taking their foot off the gas in Washington, just sort of clawing back into it, you know, the Jets then managed to salvage out a point, which is great. You know, you go to overtime, everything's happy, hunky-dory. But then, right off the face-off, Washington takes control and the Jets don't do anything. It'd be one thing if I felt like the Jets were exhausted and out of breath and stuff, but I mean, this is like their first game in, what, five or six days? With that amount of rest against a Caps team that has frankly been struggling for form over the last couple of weeks, it just really feels like a missed opportunity and I don't really understand where the accountability is when stuff like this happens. It's not like it's the first time. It's not a one-off occurrence. Oftentimes, we see Winnipeg's top stars maybe not, you know, doing the the back-checking that they would need to or something, and, you know, here and there, I don't mind it. Sometimes you do it, maybe take a few extra breaths, uh, collect yourself, and get ready for the next shift or something, but in this case, I just don't really understand why so many guys were caught puck-watching while the Caps were very clearly hungrier and looking for the win. The Jets are not in a position to be looking a gift horse in the mouth and just tossing away points. That's not really the state that they're in. They're going to be, you know, a fringier wildcard team. So any opportunity that they can to salvage an extra standings point here and there, whether they deserve it or not, it's going to be helpful in the long run. So, yeah, it's just really frustrating. I mean, I feel like for such a strong effort for half of the game, for it to be kind of pissed away like this at times... It's just a little bit frustrating, and I feel like the Jets deserved a bit better, but also put themselves in a position to where they only got one out of two points possible. You know, there were times where the Jets were clearly dominant, very much the better team, and they just didn't really get the reward for it. Making matters worse is that, you know, during the game, Dmitry Orlov probably unintentionally took out Nikolai Ehlers with a knee-on-knee hit. He was looking for a, another body check or something, but Ehlers kind of skirted out of the way, and Orlov never really adjusted course, and his knee very much collided with Ehlers. Now, there could have been some intentionality in it. I really hope not, but it sort of reminds me at least a little bit of the Neil Pionk hit. I think this one, though, was a little bit less defensible, and I, I would have to imagine that Orlov is going to get at least a couple of games. Yeah, Ehlers sounds like he's going to be out for a couple of games as well, so... Things are just not really feeling great right now, I have to be honest. The Jets next play Nashville on Thursday, which I'm hoping for a better performance. I feel like the Preds are an easier time than the Caps. I don't blame the Jets for not beating Washington in Washington. 
but I feel like when you have an opportunity and you show off some really good stuff, to end it in the way that they did was really sad. I feel like they should be upset with themselves for that lack of effort. There could have been more out of it. And, you know, time and again with this team, we've seen it over the past couple of years where it's just not really at the level it should be. And so I, I hope it turns around. You know, I hope that this is just a more infrequent occurrence throughout the rest of the season. But, you know, given the past history of how the Jets have played, I think we are going to have this be a recurring theme throughout the rest of the year. I would also like the Jets to reevaluate that third pairing. I don't know if they really plan to stick with Logan Stanley long term, but if they do, there's going to be pain. It's just not working out. He's struggling on the third pairing, and the only way that you could really salvage it is to have DeMello off the first pairing, which then makes Morrissey less effective. So this is the time when a guy like Billy Hainala might really come in handy, and I would love for the Jets to give him a real audition rather than parking him in the press box and letting him rot. Let me know your thoughts on this game and whether you feel the Jets got what they deserved or not. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. I'll have some thoughts on tomorrow's game uh, in preview form before we face off against the Preds on Thursday. But for tonight's episode, that is going to do it. Be sure to make Locked on Bets your second listen of the day. Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe today. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.